Education for a living. Taking what they're given. Welcome to the Poseidon Podcast. Hosted by four guys who think they know what they're doing. Don't yank it. Crank it. Tune in as we cuss and discuss our crazy lives, tell fish stories, and make you a better fisherman. Three, two, one. And now, let's get started. We made it. Episode three of the podcast, baby. So what the episode is going to be about, um, we are going to do 20 questions, sort of, kind of, but not really rapid fire. Um, we're going to go to every single captain for each question. And we're, some of the questions are funny, controversial, make you a better fisherman, you name it. It, really, it might go anywhere. I don't really know where it'll go, but it'll be a good time. The other thing we're going to talk about before we ever get started <laughs> is what happened to you today, Dustin. <laughs> Go ahead and tell the world how, uh, how you finished your charter today. So it was a slow day. You know, we caught three fish in four hours. Um, the guy asked me, because we have a restaurant that's pretty close to our, to our house. And uh, so there's a dock at the restaurant. So, He's like, hey, man, since we're over here, can you just drop us off to this restaurant so we can go and eat? I was like, yeah, man, for sure. Uh, they Ubered to the house. <clears throat> so so I go to I go to Hook's the restaurant, and uh, I drop them off. Uh, excuse me. I, I pull up to the dock, and uh, the guy gets off onto the dock, off the boat onto the dock. And he, I'm still on the boat, and he needs to pay for the charter still. So he... Uh, he said he wants to pay with a card. So I'm like, all right. I was like, I have an app on my phone. Well, I was going to pay. So I'm in the boat. He reaches down and hands me his card. And my hands are wet. <clears throat> and he hands it to me upside down. So I have to flip the card over in my hand. I'm holding my phone in my right hand. I have his card in my left hand. And I, and I need to flip his card over so I can see the numbers. Well, my hands are wet. And for somehow, the card sticks to my palm, and then I try to, like, struggle to get it unstuck, and it comes out and drops into the water. <laughs> and goes all the way to the bottom, obviously, because credit cards sink, so everybody knows. And, yeah, so I sit there for, like, five, ten minutes trying to get this guy's card, credit card out of the water to no avail. And... <laughs> sit there and refuse, or excuse me, uh, apologize to this man several times because I just lost his credit card, and they're on vacation from South Dakota. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was not a good ending to the trip. Oh, man. But honestly, though, nowadays, it, it, it wasn't a huge deal because nowadays you can pretty much pay for anything with your phone. Like 10 years ago, oh, my God, that would have been the end of the world. <laughs> it's still freaking funny. It is yeah, freaking it's, funny. It's hilarious, yeah. Golly. Uh, that's the yeah. first time for me. That's the first time I've ever dropped a credit card in the water. Yeah. Never the best part, No, never a dull moment. And the best part about the whole thing was um 
Captain Ethan. It was his first day. <laughs> what is up with first for Poseidon? Like, yeah. His first trip is horrible. <laughs> horrible. It's terrible. Oh, man. Yeah, that needs to be the next episode, talking about everybody's first day, <laughs> how bad it was. Well, have you, I got another one. Have you all ever lost your tip? Because I did that for the first time last week. And that was not fun. I, I dropped my tips for the day out of my pocket somewhere, and they're no. gone. Yep. Same, oh. same shorts, same stupid pair of Columbia shorts that I dropped my phone out of my pocket and lost my brand-new iPhone. No. Was it the uh, the crazy busy day, too, like the overtime day last week? Uh, no, I don't think it was that, but it, it was a day where it was very, very cold and extremely, extremely, you know, slow for us. And so like, I already felt bad, you know, um, we did pretty well, but I felt bad even taking the money. And then like, I was like, you know, when you get the boat back to the dock, you're like, man, I'm just ready to go home. And, uh, I was loading up all my stuff. And then I realized I just lost $200 in cash. (laughs) <laughs> that is heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, plugging some merchandise. If you had, if you went to www.besideandswag.com and purchased our cotton sweatshirt, there is a pocket inside of the little like through pocket in the front that is perfect for tips and a cell phone. www.besideandswag.com. Like <laughs> what? Which one? Or, or now? Yeah, the the gray one with the uh, seal logo in the front. It, yeah, like that front pocket is a zipper. It has a zipper, so you can like the hoodie. The hoodie. You know that? Hell no, I didn't know this. I it <laughs> every day. Yeah. So look at your front pocket and then feel on the little edges of the pocket. You'll feel a zipper, and it and it goes all the way through. Dude, I never stick my hands in my pocket. I don't know why. Yeah, it's like the perfect um, cell phone spot. Anyway, so question number one. This is a curveball team. I sent these questions out to everybody yesterday, but this is a curveball because Matt wanted to change question one this morning, and I was like, okay, sure. Um, So what is your daily routine? What time do you wake up? Let's say you have – you know, a normal day, you got a, a charter in the morning, a charter in the afternoon. What's your daily routine of wake up all the way till we go back to sleep? What do you do? We will start with Captain Dustin. Okay, so first thing, I wake up at 4.30 in the morning. Um, I live about 35 minutes from the house, <clears throat> excuse me, from the office. Uh, so I wake up at 4.30. First thing I do is start a pot of coffee. Uh, I get dressed. Uh, by that time, you know, the, the coffee's ready. Uh, <clears throat> get in the truck, head to work, and then I get to the office around, usually around 5.15. Um, get there, <clears throat> grab my gear, make sure all my gear's ready. Uh, grab some chum for, for catching bait, and then load the net up. And uh, usually I'm out, out the door around 5.40 to go catch bait, and then that's how my day starts, catching bait. And then uh, <clears throat> usually spend a couple hours catching bait, so we we'd normally get back to the dock around 7.30, 7.35 from catching bait. 
And as soon as we get back, I uh, introduce myself to the clients, and then we go fishing. That's my that's my morning routine. Yeah, you don't sleep. You don't like go get lunch. I don't get lunch no. <laughs> yeah, you, you run so, to Hardy's to get mat lunch. <laughs> I am so unhealthy when it comes. I, I'm trying to train myself to get in the habit of 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 making my lunch the night before and just uh, like meal prepping. I'm trying to get into my habit. It's so hard to do it. It really but is. I, I am super unhealthy, like because I will go. Sometimes I'll get Hardy's for breakfast, but most of the time I don't eat until dinner time. I will tell you that the amount of Mountain Dews you specifically consume. Oh, oh! I've cut back, and what's crazy is I've cut back so much. I, I let's see, I, I might drink one or two. Not even, honestly. No way. There, there is. I, I, I was going through like almost a twelve pack a day at one mm. point, and then I was like, "Holy!" I was, crap. I was literally. I gained like 15 pounds in a month, and I was like, "Oh my god, I gotta, I gotta cut the soda." So like now I'm like, <clears throat> if I drink Mountain Dew, I'll probably drink one, one a day. Now. Oh my gosh! Twelve pack a day. Yeah, I, you'd be proud. I've really cut back now. Mm. He doesn't. About getting... He doesn't eat, the... just uh, pack dips all day. Dude, I, do, I do dip so much, it's fucking stupid. Well, anyway, Captain Drew, what's your routine? So I uh, I don't sleep much. It's just the, the lay, lay of the land kind of us captains don't really sleep much. So I'll I'll go to bed right around I don't know eleven ish, eleven eleven twelve sometimes. Um, but uh, I usually get up around four four fifteen ish. Um, I, I'm only about 15, 20 minutes away from the house office there. So not too bad of a drive commute. Um, so, but I like to, I'm not really a morning person. I'm a forced morning person, I guess you would say. Uh, so the better time I have to prep myself, the, the better I am. Um, I'm a energy drinker, I guess. Uh, but I used to drink a lot of those mountain or, um, the uh, monsters and uh, Red Bull stuff. It, it was really bad. I I would have migraines and the whole nine yards. So my last, you know, this year's New Year's resolution is no more energy drinks uh, that are really bad. So I switched to Celsius and they uh, they've been pretty good. So um, that's how I kind of slowly wake up and you know prep prep the boat when I get to the house um ice everything um load everything up like Captain Quiz said with uh chum in the net and we skedaddle and hopefully get on bait which we usually do and get back and get ready for our day with our clients meet the clients and you know go fish nice I, I will say um one, I, I agree with you. I don't think you sleep very much. And one time you had a it's, a, it's a story for a different time and a different day, but you finished up a charter at like 2 a.m. And this particular customer could not get an Uber 
and uh, this sounds terrible, but you took them home. <laughs> and you, and, and, you oh, yeah. these, <laughs> and you let these people sleep on your couch because they couldn't go home. And golly, I couldn't believe you did that. Well, yeah, luckily I can fit a family of four on my uh, on my couch here. It's a, a giant couch, so yeah. You know, it's just the little touches that uh, Poseidon we really uh, do here to yeah, ab- above and beyond. <laughs> beyond, yeah. Did you, did you get a good tip? Are, are well taken care of and, you know, so. Well, yeah, the best part about it was Kayla woke up the next uh, morning and was like, uh, Drew? Who are these people in my living room? Well, she, yeah. Luckily, she worked the night shift. So she never even saw him, actually. <laughs> oh, you got him in and out before you came Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In and out by 6 o'clock next morning. You're out. God, so sink or swim, you're out. This is all I can do. <laughs> Did they tip you again? Yeah. Yeah, they're well, like that. Thank goodness, yeah. Hey, it's, not about money. Money. it's not about the money. I just wanted to repeat clientele. That's all we, we strive for. All right. That'll be 20% and $150 a night. There you go. <laughs> yeah. about 3.30 in the morning. Um, first thing I do is I stop at the Sitco right next to my house. I'm addicted to the full-throttle uh, citrus <laughs> energy drinks. Um, I have to have one. If I don't drink one, I'll actually get a headache. Like on off days, I normally, as soon as I wake up, I go to the gas station to get one of those. Horribly wrong for you, but uh, <clears throat> that's how I start out my morning. Um, and then honestly, I'm not a morning person as well. Uh, my body's really used to it. Even on off days, I wake up at like five in the morning with no alarm clock. Okay. Um, but I mean, I just, I mean, I, I, I take that hour and a half drive and that's kind of like what wakes me up. Um, so when I get to the house in the morning, same thing, I load up, get chum, get the net, uh, go out and catch bait, um, and then same thing, get get back to the house and you know, get all my get all my rods ready and then uh talk to the clients, figure out what they want to do, uh as far as what their goals are, you know, if they want meat or if they just want to have a good time. And then uh we go and fish. Um, same thing, I don't really um I don't really uh well, I kinda lost track of thought. Um but yeah, that's pretty much how I start my mornings. Now, when I get off of work, uh, pretty much routine, stop at Hardee's on the way home. If you if you guys haven't learned, Hardee's is pretty much the only thing that's open right next to where we go out of. So uh, my diet is probably, I'd say, 90% Hardee's, which is not good for us at all. But the uh, Frisco Burger, it does me well. Um, I get that every day. And then, uh, yeah, that's about it. So I eat parties and get my citrus energy drinks, and that's pretty much it. And when I get home, uh, I like to, uh, you know, I'll take a shower and then drink a couple beers and hit the hay. That's about it. Boom. Nothing like a good caffeine addiction to keep you ticking, you know? Yeah, I have to. If I don't, like, I'll literally get headaches over it. Yeah. I yeah. think that they do anything for energy. I think I just like the taste of them. I switch it up, though. Like, I did Red Bulls for... Oh man, probably about six months. 
and then I just kind of keep switching it up, find something I like, and then stick to it. So if Full Throttle's listening, that'd be a cool sponsor because uh, I promise <laughs> you I probably spend thousand plus dollars a year just on drinking their energy drinks. It's got to be the citrus. Yeah. I don't like anything else. I like uh, citrus, orange, stuff like that. So Between them and uh, Mountain Dew, we keep yeah. them in business. Yep. Listen, that full bottle of citrus is balling. My favorite. Oh, dude, it is good. It doesn't even taste like an energy drink. It's 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 like fruity. I I don't know. It's good. I get it every day. Yeah, right up Matt's alley. Fruity. Well, anyway, yeah. <laughs> question number two. So this one's a little more on the serious note. For the people that don't know. Um, the west coast of Florida, and specifically Tampa Bay, um, kind of struggles with this algae bloom that we have labeled red tide. And basically what it is, it's, it's exactly an algae bloom that gets in the fish's lungs and ultimately causes the fish to not breathe and die. And some years are worse than others. Sometimes we don't have it at all, and sometimes it's really bad. And um, we're thankful for people like uh, Moat Marine Labs, who has developed like uh, this mud that kills the algae and all the stuff that can be sprayed to fix it. Um, but there's some major problems with things within Tampa Bay that I'll let the captains get into um, that need to be done. So we're going to talk about kind of what we think about it and if it's anybody's fault and what we're doing or what can be done to take care of one of the best places to fish on the planet, Tampa Bay, to make sure it stays that way. And uh, Captain Dustin, you're up. So, I know about, <clears throat> I know that red tide is natural. It's a natural thing that happens everywhere. But for some reason, Tampa Bay, it, it happens all the damn time, and it's super bad because and I, I'm, I'm kind of ignorant to it so I'm not going to get on it too much uh, because I don't want to say the wrong thing but <clears throat> I know that this year in what was it March March or April uh, they had a phosphate leak phosphate water in the reservoir and it pumped in I think it was 200 million gallons of phosphate water into the bay and then uh, two months later, we had red tide. So, I mean, it is a natural thing in, in, in increments, but when you pour 200 million gallons of unnatural water into the bay, yeah, all the algae is going to bloom at once because phosphate is pretty much fertilizer. So, <clears throat> that's all I know. Pollution is, is what you can blame it on. And that's my two cents on that on that subject. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think that um, there there one that that made national news and was a really big deal, and uh, ultimately it was like a business that went under, and these multi multi millionaires just left it. You know, they didn't do anything about it, and in my opinion, um, that's on the state and on our politicians for not getting it cleaned up, especially when they knew it was a problem. You know, it's been there for well, a long, long time. And and again, I'm kind of ignorant to all the details, but I'm pretty sure that our state 
if you have a spill for a company, is like I think it's pretty much like a seventy-five thousand dollar fine, versus to pay somebody millions of dollars to come clean it up. So of course the company is going to want to, you know, pay the seventy-five thousand dollar fine versus paying millions of dollars to come actually clean up the reservoir. Yeah, and then cost the. Yeah. Yeah, and then the company goes file chapter eleven after after the leak. So, yeah. you know. Not good. I'm, Captain I'm, Drew. I'm, so, um, obviously, like you guys said, it's a, it's a natural thing. So, with Tampa Bay waters in the summertime here, spring, summer, and early fall, uh, we do experience in the 90s sometimes, uh, temperature-wise. Uh, so, that is, you know, obviously really warm water temp that, you know, these this algae strives on, it, uh, you know, the warmer the water, the bigger the bloom is. And it, it usually kills, you know, smaller fish. The darker the berry. Yeah, exactly. And uh, <laughs> so it, it's not a big deal until you have those spikes of, you know, dumping of certain pollutions or anything like that that can um, in flux it a little bit more than a natural thing. Um, we do have Okeechobee that does release uh, water in the, the sugar canes that come in. So that Fort Myers area does do, you know, get some influx too, like Tampa Bay does. Uh, but they are working on that and uh, getting getting a better hold on it. And um, it, it really hasn't really happened that bad other than the big, in, you know, phosphate dump. But, um, yeah, that, again, that's, that's usually, you know, that's my cup of tea on that. Um, it's just a natural thing and we just, we deal with it, but it's not that bad if we don't, if we be smart about it and watch what we um, dumping those beautiful water that we have here in Tampa Bay. Yeah, it's more about holding the uh, businesses accountable yeah. for what they're doing rather than, you know, kind of what Dustin said. Like, you know, you need to do the right thing rather than the wrong thing and pay a $75,000 fine. Exactly. Know? Yeah, it should be a $2 million fine and a million dollars to fix it. You know, <laughs> like, let's flip the script a little bit and then I think everybody will shape up. But, well, I think it should be uh, a BP scenario where BP what paid what was it billions of dollars to fix their their spill. I think that the the company that dumped the the 200 million gallons of phosphate water should have had to do the same thing. You're right. Yeah, BP yeah, had BP still I, spending money. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, they, still money and, and it affected every business in that area. It, it, the whole Gulf. Like people that weren't even affected with it got paychecks from BP because it affected them just slightly. Like so, <clears throat> for for the Bay Area, red tide will will, will screw up um, real estate sales, um, all businesses, restaurants, because the Bay Area is pretty much tourism, so it'll screw it all up. So I think the company should have to pay more than they just paid. In my yeah, for sure. <laughs> Captain Matt. Well, um, 
to be honest with y'all, I could go on with this question for hours. I mean, I could do literally an entire podcast just on the way I feel about it. Um, there's actually some stickers on my truck that aren't the most user-friendly, but it's just how I feel. Um, I mean, it's sad. It's incredibly sad that, you know, people find more about fertilizing their their lawn than they do about our oceans, our, our waters, you know. Um, I think one of the biggest problems with red tide is, so I'll, I'll go out and say it. I mean, I'm not afraid. Piney Point, Piney Point literally, um, they cause a lot of issues in Tampa Bay. Um, I'm a member of Captains for Clean Water and I support all the movements. We do have some big problems, you know, with Okeechobee, like Quiz and Drew were saying. Um, but the problem is it's us, man. Like, if you look at our society today, it's, it's all on us. I mean, this is our backyard. This is our waters. And I just don't understand why people, they, they don't care, you know. Um, I know a lot of captains that have legit lawsuits, and it's sad because, like you said, these bigger companies, they, you know, they just shrug it off their shoulders. Like, it's not a big deal to them to just, you know, pay the consequences. They don't care about the repercussions that Tampa Bay uh, faced with this. I mean, it's still out there. It, 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 it's still offshore, um, you know, and in red tide, like you said, it is natural, but we never see it this bad. You know, normally it starts out with the bait fish and, um, you know, some weaker fish. You see it sometimes catfish. I mean, yes, it's natural, but what's happening in these waters is our fault. And it's one of those things that people just don't want to, um, you know, they don't want to take responsibility for it, and it's extremely sad. Uh, it really is. I mean, this year alone was probably the worst. I think – I think we had one more that was pretty bad. Uh, you guys remember a couple of years ago in uh, Sarasota where it was really, really bad. But I think one of the main problems with the way we do things is that we put all these plants, you know, we put all these plants right on the water, which I get they use some of the resources. Like a lot of these plants, they'll use the water, you know, to do whatever they got to do. So they're taking in the salt water for these plants to keep them going. But what they're not realizing is, is that they're going to destroy our bay eventually. I mean, it's one of those things. The fishing is still great. I know a lot of people don't want to hear, you know, um, this type of topic. But, I mean, imagine what the bay was like 40, 50, 100 years ago. You know, my grandpa talks about going out there and literally having those, you know, 150 redfish days. 150 snook days. I mean, tarpon just everywhere. I mean, people were catching tarpon just to nail them onto a board and take a picture. Megalodon. It's, it's, it's getting ridiculous, you know? Um, I just wish that people would take more pride in their backyard and realize what we have to lose in this. Yeah, uh, sure. I agree. I mean, I think if everybody... Um, did their part, including the politicians, to hold these businesses accountable, we'd be in a much better place. Because well, like you said, the the like when captains are suing the business owners or whatever, like I hate to say it, but these business owners are Oh, they're know, they're deep, gonna win. deep deep well, more than that, they have really, really deep pockets. They can drag these lawsuits out for years and years and years and years and years and, years, and there's just no way um 
to hold them accountable because what's all going to happen within, you know, if a, a lawsuit gets dragged out or excuse me, drug out five years, that's five more years they get to do whatever they want to, you know, so yeah. it, it doesn't do us any good. Not even what I'm asking the people to, I don't know, you know, a lot of these people listening to podcasts, I'm sure they're, you know, some of them from Tampa Bay, some are not. But what a lot of people don't realize is that what Captains for Clean Water likes to push a lot is fertilizer. You know, that's something so simple as people going out and spraying, you know, uh, weed killer, like on their lawn. All that rainwater, all the rain that we get in Florida, where do you think all that chemical is going? It's going right over the seawalls. Yes, these big, giant, you know, algae blooms, they come from, like you said, spills and stuff of that nature, but there's things that we can do um, to protect our waters, and that is one of them, you know? I mean, if you live on the water, you would want to protect your backyard. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of people that have these waterfront properties, and they don't think that they're doing anything major, um, but little stuff like that, that that stuff all adds up. I mean, it's For sure. It's, crazy. I mean, it's seriously, it is a big problem that I think more people really, really, really need to know about. And it's one of those things that's tough because, you know, as a charter business, you don't want to necessarily, you know, scare people as far as the bay. But I mean, if we all think about it, guys, I mean, it's getting worse and worse every year. You know, I mean, as a business standpoint, you want this water you know, you want it to get better. You don't want to make it worse. For sure. Yeah. So I think um, I ask about this because I could go on for hours and hours, but it is so important. Take care and take pride in what you do and protect Florida. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is like one of those deals that I mean, everybody sees that like the glaciers are melting, the reefs are going away and whatever. And this is just something that we – feel very, you know, passionate about because we deal with it and that's in our backyard. And so I think there's a lot that can be done on everybody's um, uh, side to improve things, but definitely for the people listening, go give it a Google and uh, Google Red Tide and see how you can get involved and donate. I know Captains for Clean Water is doing a lot. I know Moat Marine is doing a lot. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth... uh, you know, donating to and kind of helping that because I know that it's just one slice of the pie that, you know, our oceans need help with, including the the reefs and whatever else. So anyway, give it a Google. That's enough about that. Go team. Moving on to question number three. What is the biggest challenge you face as a charter captain? Dustin. My biggest challenge, obviously, is bait. Bait is the number one struggle um, <clears throat> that that determines the whole day, whether you're going to have a good day or you're going to have a, a bad day. Uh, bait, number one thing. Yeah, I agree. I hate bait. I hate dealing with it. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it, it, it determines everything. You're either going to have a really good day or you're going to have a really not so good day. I mean, and, you know, you can get away with some frozen bait like sometimes of the year, but Bait is the number one struggle for me. Captain Drew. So for me, obviously, you know, bait as well. But um, what I feel is dealing with 
different clientele. Um, you know, people, different personalities, you know, everybody, uh, 90% of people are amazing, obviously. Um, and then you have some that are a little more difficult. And then, you know, weather patterns, you know, every day is different, uh, different pressures, different uh, storms, whatever it can be, you know, obviously um, encourages the bite or it, you know, diminishes it. So it just, uh, that's what is mainly different for me. You're telling me that full sand Laylor? I know, right? I know. Doesn't like the weather? I know. I, it, it really, you know, these podcasts bring it all out. You know? um, <laughs> yeah, it's an <laughs> <interesting> session. <laughs> uh, Captain Matt, what you got? So one of my main things is kind of touching on Drew. Obviously, that big number one for me. Um, but kind of like he said, yeah. figuring out clients. Um, so there's days where like, you know, we've talked about it multiple times. Our, our standard of an amazing day is different from what the client, you know, wants. Um, like to me, I mean, I want to go out there and catch, you know, all the snook, all the reds and just have like an amazing trip, you know, lots of numbers. But a lot of those people, they don't really care you know like this is one of the this is their time to go fishing they're okay with just one or two fish and i'd say that is probably one of the hardest things as a guide is you know figuring out like what they want out of their trip i've had multiple trips where you run and you know you catch the crap out of fish for an hour and then they just want to you know go cruise and it's like no dude like we're fishing we're a fishing captain like that's what you want right and it's like a lot of times they don't um, that's one of the main things is like, you know, just that, or if they just want meat, uh, going after those type of species, stuff, stuff like that really is just figuring out, um, you know, pretty much all that. Cause some days where I think it's not that great of a trip, I just changed someone's life and they had the best time of their life. It just, I, it, I will say with the captains. Yeah. I will say that that is, I think very, very common. Like I think a lot of, people are used to bass fishing. You know, the majority of the people that we take are from, you know, middle America, Georgia, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, you name it. And um, all these people bass fish or walleye or whatever, and like catching five in a day, an entire day, just awesome, you know. And uh, five in an entire day for us is like, what did I do wrong, <laughs> you know? And so I think when you take them on a trip and they catch five or six fish apiece and we're like, dang, that was a little slow, they're over the moon, you know, just because it's so different from what they're used to. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I've had uh, multiple trips where, you know, we're sitting there for like 10 minutes and I'm throwing out chummers and nothing's busting. It's like, all right, guys, reel them in, let's go. They're not here. And they're like, dude, what are you doing, bro? Just slow down. We're fishing. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay, you know, <laughs> these people aren't used to the, to the, you know, as we would like to say, nonstop action. Yeah, for sure. Question four: What is the coolest part about your job, Captain Dustin? Oh, you know, it's all about the sunrise, baby. You cannot get. A more beautiful place than Tampa Bay 
at 7 a.m. in the morning when the sun's coming up. <clears throat> it's just so gorgeous. And that's my favorite part of the entire day. Or if I'm working in the evenings, you know, sun, sunset. Sunrise and sunset is just every single day is just gorgeous, man. And that's my favorite part of the job. For sure. And it just hits different when you got the right tune on the radio, too. There you go. Mm-hmm. What you got, Drew? For me, obviously the sunset. And, you know, you, we go out and get bait. Or sunrise and, and sunsets as well. But we go out and get bait. If we, you know, we did good, we got a well full, and, you know, you have that gorgeous sunrise, and beer's like, yes, yeah, so let's let's grab, you know, today by the horns and uh, get after it. Um, but for me, really, personally, it's uh, seeing people's faces, you know, again, going back to those, you know, Midwesterns or people that's just not uh, used to this kind of fishing or just never fished before in their life, just seeing their faces light up is really, you know, obviously getting a little sentimental there, but, you know, just really seeing their first fish and being a part of that and being able to provide that is just that, that makes the day. I don't care what else goes on through the day, but, uh, you know, that really, that really gets me going and, you know, going for, the, you know, the next day and on and on. So it's why we, sure. what we do, why we wake up at 4 a.m. and, you know, get on the, you know, grind the cold or the hot and, uh, you know, it, it's can't beat it, can't, can't beat the, the faces there. So for sure. I think a lot of people um, will understand, like, once you've done it so much, you get more joy out of doing it or teaching somebody else how to do it. You know, like I have duck hunted way more than I ever care to admit and don't care to ever kill another one. But I absolutely love sharing that experience with new people, you know, like showing them what I know and so that they can kill a duck for the first time and see that smile on their face. Cause I remember that feeling and having that for them is like, you know, just incredible. So I totally really, get it. It's a high, you know? Oh yeah, high. for sure. Definitely. Captain Matt, what you got, bro? Um, honestly, man, I just, I love the water. I mean, anytime I'm on the water, I'm happy. And like, like you guys said, I mean, I used to go to church, uh, every Sunday. I'm pretty religious. And I don't go to church anymore, but being on the water and seeing, you know, God's country, that's just what all-time high. I mean, I don't care if it's blowing 35 and choppy. I mean, just seeing, like, the bay, that's what gets me going. And then not to mention, same thing as Drew, um, you know, anytime you see someone, especially, like, if I get, like, kids on the boat, you know, and they catch a fish that I may not think is the coolest thing ever, but they're just so happy. That is what just makes me, you know, want to keep coming back, want to keep doing my job. Because like you said, sharing the knowledge and the experience with other people and seeing that how much they're enjoying it, that's what makes this job absolutely incredible. I mean, honestly, I mean, it's one of those things like – I used to fish all the time and I, you know, hardcore. And now it's like, I take my girlfriend out fishing Georgia and she, you know, I'm baiting her hooks and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just, I'm so used to it. This is just, 
you know, this is how I do it now. Like, I don't even really care to catch the fish. I just enjoy watching other people do it because I've already been there and I get to show them how to do it. And it's one of the coolest things in the world. I mean, yes. there's nothing. There's nothing like that. I can catch yes. a 40 snook on my own and I will probably get more enjoyment out of someone from Wisconsin that catches a 40 inch snook. Honestly. 100%. Yep. Couldn't agree more. The coolest things, it's like what, you know, God put me on this earth to do, and I get to do it every day, and it's it's just awesome. Couldn't agree more, man. Moving on to question number five. What is the best type of fishing for saltwater beginners? Captain Dustin. Oh, so, oh, man. <laughs> Saltwater, like Tampa Bay area? Yeah, I mean, like, if you're, the people we've been talking about this whole time, you're the bass <sighs> fisherman or the walleye guy from Ohio. Well, if you're a bass fisherman, snook all day long. I mean, snook, <clears throat> snook and bass are pretty similar in most areas. Um, so, in my opinion, that if you are a, uh, <clears throat> yeah, snook, because, if you're a bass fisherman, you're gonna throw up there close to the close to the trees. Like for us, we have mangroves, mangrove trees, and uh, yeah, you're gonna to want to work them them mangrove lines all day long, just like you would a bass, like like the tree lines. So for beginners in Tampa Bay, snook all day. Agreed. What you got, Captain Drew? So I'm similar, you know, inshore. If I can cast for you. That is the biggest thing. So, like he mentioned, you have to be in a certain spot. If you're 10 feet out from those, you just reel and recast. Um, so that's a little harder for your beginner sometimes. Um, that is an avid, you know, if they're a bass fisherman, like I said, then, yeah, that's fine. But uh, I'm, I'm talking about your, you know, never touched a pole in their life, blah, 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 all that. Um I definitely would recommend a reef uh, trip in the bay. You know, you're going to be in the bay. It's not going to be too rough certain times. Um, so if you're prone to maybe seasickness or worried about it, I definitely recommend uh, a bay trip where we can hit some reefs or some ledges and you're literally dropping straight down. Um, no major skill in that, just as soon as you feel that little tap, that bite, you know, it could be anywhere from a bluegill bite to rip the rod out of your hand. Um, so that is more of an action sometimes, too, depending on tides. Uh, so I definitely recommend a, a bay, you know, reef trip for sure. Yeah, I would say if you've never picked up a fishing pole in your entire life, that is definitely the way to go. Because it, it's like you said, you, you're dropping the bait to the bottom, and it's fun because you know you don't know what you're gonna reel up. Like snapper, grouper, soaked fish, personal favorite, you name it. <laughs> so, um, that Matt, what you got? Um, for me, it's going to be. I'm kind of biased because, like I said, I like inshore fishing. That's just what I'm good at. Um, but for me, for first time fishing, I would say cup bait. Um, throw, you know, throw a piece of cup bait out there and literally, I mean, it's one of those things that you let it sit until it 
starts taking off. And then by the time it takes off, you reel and you got a fish. Um, that would be my go-to, I'd say, if you're new to the area. Obviously, inshore fishing, same thing, snook, redfish. But uh, chop up a mullet, chop up a thread fin, throw it out there, and see what happens. Um, that's probably the best thing. I mean, you're going to catch you, – sometimes you get a lot of bycatch. You know, you get some catfish. You get stuff like that. A lot of, a lot of little stuff like the nibble on your bait. But that's one of the main things because, like we were talking about earlier, like don't yank it, crank it. I mean, you put someone that's never really fished before on a piece of cup bait, it's kind of hard for them to miss a fish when it's literally picking it up and just taking off and you got it. Um, but You, you heard it. Said, you I heard mean, it here first. You heard it here first, team. Captain Dustin, snook fishing. Captain Drew, <laughs> bottom fishing. <laughs> Captain Matt, cut bait fishing. <laughs> yes, yes. Snook fishing is by far the easiest for, you know, inshore species. We we have millions and millions of snook in Tampa Bay. But I'm saying for new beginners, a lot of times, like I said, those snook, they'll blow up on bait. First thing, first reaction is set the hook. You know, you dead stick a bait, I mean, you really can't, you can't really miss them because by the time you know that they're on there, they're already taken off, you know? It's oh, just sure. those things that... You put on a circle hook, and by the time you feel that, that fish is there, most of the time he already has it in its mouth. So that's the way I would go about it for first time fishing Tampa Bay because greenbacks, they can be hard to get. Um, pinfish, they can be well, they can be pretty hard, but a lot of times they're pretty easy to get. But the thing is with pins is they kick a lot, so a lot of people that aren't really familiar with fishing half the time they're going to think they have a fish and that's really just that bait, you know, swimming around. So I would say dead sticking some cut bait. You guys haven't, you know, uh, got with the uh, rhythm. I really like cut bait. So <laughs> we'll go on oh. to the next question. <laughs> <laughs> question number six. This truly is probably one of the most controversial topics to ever exist on planet Earth. Uh, this one could be a long one, no doubt about it. It is. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Captain Dustin. What? No. Absolutely not. Why? Why? I mean, it's, you're you're on a bun. You're not on. Uh, I don't know. You know what? Now that I think about it, I guess I mean, it qualifies as a sandwich. Two slices of bread. I think where it gets confusing is, you know, you have two pieces of white bread and they're not attached. Yeah, That's a sandwich. Not, like, yeah, you're, it's, it's one piece of continuous bun. But at the same time, you go to Subway, they cut a slice down a loaf of bread that's attached. That's a sub, though. It's not a sandwich. I guess a sub. Oh. I don't know. So there you go. A hot dog is a sub, not a sandwich. A hot dog is a sub, not a sandwich, you savages. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Drew. I'm going to go with no. It's not a sandwich. I don't know. It's just, it's, a, it's its own little, own little thing. I don't know. Call me old school. I don't know. <laughs> Captain Matt. Dude, 
like a sandwich. It's a piece of meat in between two pieces of bread. There you go. Technically, there's it's no difference between bun. a hot dog and pastrami. It's a bun, but I know you guys, if you guys are, you know, good in the grilling, I know you are, Drew, you got the Traeger. Um, sometimes, yeah. you know, your buns, they fall apart. So you got two pieces of bread. It's definitely a sandwich. There you go. Classified. It's a sandwich. Sandwich. Question number seven. Are you superstitious? If so, what are your superstitions? Well, guys, Austin, hold on, hold on. I know this is going to sound really bad. What does superstitious mean? It's like, so have you ever been? <laughs> Look, okay. dude, I'm from Zephyr Hills, bro. There's a lot of yeah. words we don't really. Trust don't... me, everybody is more than aware at this point. Anyway. Okay. So... When you that's superstitious because you don't want bananas on your boat because you're superstitious about it. You think it's bad. Like, if you hit a home run, right, and then you wear the same underwear every baseball game because they're your lucky underwear. You hit home runs when you wear that underwear or whatever. So, like, that's superstitious. Gotcha. So, Captain Doug, you got time. (laughs) Yeah, I got two people ahead of me, so I'm good. I'll I'll see how this plays out. Captain Dustin, what you got? I am not superstitious at all, whatsoever. So I don't give a shit what you do. Bring all the bananas you want on the boat. I don't give a shit. (laughs) Yeah, and that's why your first day went so well. Anyway, (laughs) Captain Drew. I'm a uh, definitely a no banana and same underwear guy, for sure. Nice. You know, tournament time, fishing-wise, uh, yeah, I'm wearing the same damn clothes. So, Believe it or not, the last time Captain Drew changed his underwear was the day he got stung by a stingray. <laughs> Fun fact. Fun fact. Everything's been good ever since. <laughs> Captain Matt, what you got? So, I try to be superstitious. Uh, about the whole banana situation, but uh, quite frankly, I've been on plenty of charters where client whips that sucker out, you know, halfway through the trip, and I'm like, dude, what is that? And it just doesn't seem to really matter. Um, if you got tied, you're gonna catch fish. So and the funny, funny story. Believe it or not, there. So for people who don't know, it, it's a big time superstition in the fishing slash boat world that you do not want to bring a banana on a boat. Bad luck, bad things will happen. And like a couple of weeks ago, I was selling a charter to a guy, and uh, he was like, so what's going to be on the boat? Do I need to bring anything, whatever? And I was like, oh, we'll have water. We'll have plenty of ice. If you want to bring any kind of soda, alcohol, snacks, whatever, you're more than welcome to, and we'll put it on ice for you. He, and he was like, oh, sweet, yeah, so I'll definitely bring some soda and um, probably some, like, light snacks, like, bananas or whatever and i was like oh yeah yeah man you can bring whatever you want just don't bring the bananas because i thought he was kidding you know like a lot of people will like joke about it like oh i'm gonna bring the bananas and they're doing it on purpose you know and i was like no 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 don't bring the bananas but he didn't know what the superstition was so he thought i was like being mean by like no 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 you can't bring bananas you can bring whatever you want but you can't bring bananas and anyway, it, it took him, like, I had to apologize, like, three times because he didn't understand what I was saying or doing, and ultimately I just gave up and moved on. But made a dude feel bad because I told him not to bring a dang banana. But the thing is, I don't even get 
I have no idea why all these captains are so crazy about bananas because the banana, the story behind bananas has nothing to do with fishing at all. But the other story? story is? No, or, no I have no idea. Okay, so. Aspect of it. Bananas, when they used to have these cargo ships, they used to put them under the deck, and bananas release a, a gas called acetylene gas. And all it does is it makes all the other fruit around it ripen faster. So like if you had apples or, 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 or grapes or anything else, any other fruit around the bananas, they ripen quicker. So that all the bananas would go bad, or excuse me, all the other fruit would go bad before the ships got to port. And that's the only thing the bananas are bad luck on boats for, is because they, they release a, a settling gas which makes other fruits ripen quicker. It has nothing whatsoever to do with fishing. So I don't well, even understand this stupid thing. Well, now that you explain it, bring all the bananas you want. <laughs> that is the whole thing behind the bananas. Settling gas is all it is. In fact, question number eight: What is the trick to catching big fish? I mean, you got to know where to go. That's the trick. You got to know the spot to go for big fish. So all these people, like you see these people fishing for marlin and using a lure the size of, you know, King Kong, which is crazy? No, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, you need bigger bait. Obviously, bigger fish want bigger bait, but you got to know where to go to find these bigger fish because they're not just anywhere. Captain Drew. So my philosophy is right place, right time. So I feel like not, you know, not all the time it's bigger bait, bigger fish. Um, sometimes, you know, especially inshore fishing or just bay fishing, um, these fish are hungry and some might be impulse, you know, eaters um, or whatever's in front of them. I've caught many keeper fish or over slot fish at the bottom of the barrel last little bait, last little shrimp, whatever the case is. Um, so I'm not a full believer in bigger bait, bigger fish. But, you know, again, when you're trolling or whatever, yeah, maybe, you know, bigger lure, bigger fish. Uh, you do wean out certain fish in that case, but uh, certain aspects I do feel like it doesn't, you know, matter their, their impulse. You know, if they can fit it in their mouth, then they're going to go for it, so. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Captain, Captain, Captain Matt. Bro, elephants eat peanuts. Fact. That whole bigger bait thing, that's a bunch of BS. It does not matter. Like you said, right place, right time. I caught my biggest snook 42 inches on a two-inch greenback. You do not need big baits. To catch big fish. That is a myth. And the right time is around noon at the Poseidon Charter dock every day. That's yep. where all this. Also yeah. fast. Also yeah. fast. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That we, whole, we have that whole, uh, that whole bigger bait, bigger fish. No, that's that's dumb. 
Yeah. Why are they, they going to go for something that is ginormous when they can go for something that's plentiful around them? You know what I mean? Those fish are just smart. That's just the way they work. You know, you yeah. go up to a mangrove line, you catch 120-inch snook, you just got to weed through them, and you're going to eventually catch that big snook once the, all those little guys, you know, they're full. They're done. They've been caught already. For sure. Big bait. Going big back, going back to our um, – uh, at the dock statement there. Basically, we have some massive snook that have figured out that our boats come back from charter at noon and 5 o'clock every day, and um, they come to get the leftover greenbacks. And holy moly, I mean, they're huge. And uh, we like to catch them and let them go. They've also probably figured that out. They're okay with getting caught in return for a greenback or two, but they just get gigantic. Anyway, going on to question number nine, also an extremely controversial topic. How many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? And we are looking for exact numbers here and how they would do it. Captain Dustin? 726 chickens. <laughs> would kill the fuck out of that elephant. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were not cussing. Yeah, well, yeah, oh, we tried. Are we not cussing? <laughs> no. <laughs> we're trying to get sponsored. Edit that out. Edit that out, Sleep it. Redo. Redo. You know what's going to be awesome is when we get on this live. <laughs> Yeah, somebody, believe it or not, somebody thought it was a good idea to invite us on another podcast, and their podcasts are like three hours long, and they do it live. Oh, baby. Oh, oh baby. Right. Left and right on there. <laughs> Hunter, and I, Hunter and I are the only ones that's going to be on that one, so. Yo, man, uh, we'll bring the team. What are you talking about, bro? I'm PG. It'll be a lot of fun, but I don't know how we're going to – well, Matt needs to be there because he's the only one who can talk for three hours. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you ain't lying. <laughs> Bro, I just spread love and knowledge. I'm sorry. That's what we call sorry. it. So, <laughs> Captain Drew. Right, edit, edit, edit. All right, go. <laughs> Captain Drew, what you got? I got nothing. I don't know. You don't know how many chickens it takes to kill an animal? A hundred and fifty-three? Five hundred and fifty-three. Okay, that's a little better. Bro, it's it's one chicken. It is one chicken that it takes to kill an elephant. All right. Let's just... No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. Listen here. You got a chicken, right? You distract that elephant, okay? This elephant's like, what is that bird doing? He's making all this ruckus, okay? This chicken pulls this elephant... Into the creek, crocodile gets them. Boom, done. One chicken. So you think the crocodile can kill an elephant? Yeah. You- uh, so you actually think an alligator would would kill an elephant, and did the chicken actually kill him? Because no, the chicken no, didn't do anything. I didn't say an alligator. I said a crocodile. Bro, the chicken didn't do shit, though. No, the chicken distracted the elephant and caused him to go into the river where there but was... the chicken, chicken didn't kill the alligator or the elephant. It doesn't matter. He's dead. The chicken or the alligator? 
The elephant is dead, bro. The elephant is dead. You asked how many chickens does it take to kill an elephant? A chicken cannot kill an elephant. 726 chickens can. (laughs) They cannot. Chickens are stupid. They're they're not going to kill an elephant. Uh, Apparently, you've never been to a chicken derby. Oh, buddy. Let me tell you, I used to work, I used to do lawn care, and uh, I worked for Superior Landscape, and uh, we did a chicken farm. They're stupid. I'm talking about a derby where they actually fight. These fighting <laughs> chickens are badass. That's cockfighting. That's cockfighting. Yeah, they're you not don't that- call it cockfighting when it's illegal. You call it chicken derbies. <laughs> All right, bro, next question. This, this- <laughs> I got doubles in the morning. Next question. Next. Question. <laughs> oh, oh my god. This is too controversial. This is supposed to be a fun question. <laughs> you don't call it cockfighting. That's illegal, Michael Vick. Alright, well you and your <laughs> No, I'm dead ass serious. They're called derbies. Well, you and Dixie County, y'all can go do something else. We call them cockfights here. You don't want to. You don't want to mess around with these these fighting chickens. They're badass, like for real. All right, next question. Next question. Oh God, I'm crying. Guys, oh. I am like ten natural lights in. We got to keep going. <laughs> question number ten, and uh, this podcast is going to be a two-parter, so this will be the last one for tonight. What is the most important thing in your tackle box and why? Captain Dustin. Oh, my gosh. Apparently, you don't even need a tackle box. Listen, I ran a full four-hour charter with no tackle box. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways, uh, the most important thing in the tackle box, I mean – it's got to be the hook. I mean, what else catches the fish? The hook catches the fish, and that's in your tackle box. So I'm going to go ahead and say hook. There you go. <laughs> Words of wisdom, Captain Drew. So for me, you know, it's, you know, hooks, leaders, and some soft plastics is what you mainly see. Uh, because uh, going back to having people that's not familiar with casting or anything like that, um, it's a lot easier to lose a hook than it is a $15 lure or anything like that. So I try to keep it minimal as possible with hooks. Um, sometimes if they are an avid bass fisherman or whatever else, they, they can, I know they can cast. I'll give them some soft plastics every once in a while. Just a one, if bait's tough one day, you know, you can – use artificials, or if they want to change it up. Some guys want to catch a fish on artificial because it's a little bit of a challenge than live bait, obviously. So uh, that that's my uh, arsenal. I try to keep in my bag there in my taco box. So. Thank you. Captain Matt. Um, I'm going to have to go with a pair of pliers. Ooh, solid choice. I'm going to have to go with because you cannot I, I this is one of my biggest you know punchlines on a charter is it's not a charter in Tampa Bay without a kitty cat 
So I don't think I've ever fished a day in my life where I've not caught one catfish. And let me tell you, you do not want to get barbed. Well, and not just that. If you you have a pair of pliers, you can make a hook. You can grab a soda can and make a hook. I mean, what what is this? You know, you asked for one thing in our taco box, and Drew's listing off four things. We need something important here. We need some well, pliers. Well, you heard it here first, ladies. It's going to be – you're going to get a catfish when you go with Captain Matt. Yeah, oh, 80, yeah. 80 to 100 fish, guaranteed fish, and most of them will be catfish. <laughs> Dude, with cut bait, you're going to get a catfish. <laughs> You are going to get a catfish with cut bait. I don't care where you go, east coast, here, you're going to get a catfish. And let me tell you, a lot of people love them catfish. They don't care. They just want to feel, you know, the line pole. Well, I will say that catfish in Arkansas is a delicacy. <laughs> so when, when people in Arkansas, Mississippi, whatever, come over here and catch a catfish, they're like, oh, let's eat it. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and I can say that because I'm from there. I'm not trying to put anybody down. Anyways. And so not, we, wait, 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 wait. Before, let me do another plug here. Danco, if you're listening, your pliers are incredible. Um, Danco's, they include the snips, which cuts line amazing. And it also allows you to de-hook the fish very well. So, if you're listening and you want to sponsor me, I rep you every day. Danco pliers, you are the one. Danco, give us free shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, that is all for episode three. We got through ten questions. We got ten more that we will do next week. And, um, yeah, uh, hopefully it was good. I had a really good time. Found out that if you go to a chicken derby, grab 726 of those mother truckers, You'll kill an elephant. Anyway, till next time, see ya.